We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing? Everybody looks good. Sunshine came out this week. Well, don't get excited. It's supposed to come. Yeah. <laughs> don't want to build you up here and walk outside and it's pouring rain. <clears throat> you know, about mid-July, we'll be asking, where's the rain? So, Got to love Texas. Y'all heard the old saying in Texas, if you don't like the weather, stick around a day or two, it's going to change. Most people say an hour or two, and it's going to change. So, Turn with me, if you would, your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. Let's talk about releasing your faith through forgiveness. Releasing your faith through forgiveness. Let that sink in a little bit. Matthew 18. There was a man that was teaching a group of children in Sunday school, and he holds up this very dirty, nasty T-shirt that he usually wore working around the house. And so he told them that someone told him that he needed to throw that shirt away because it was dirty and nasty, all that. And he said, it hurt my feelings. And so, you know, this group of little six and seven and eight-year-olds, and he said, I'm having trouble forgiving them for saying what they said uh, about my shirt. Do I need to forgive them? And so immediately a six-year-old held, held her hand up, and she said, yes, you should forgive them right now. And, and he said, but why? Well, they hurt my feelings. And then this little girl happened to be this guy's daughter and said, because you're married to her. You, he was protecting, she was protecting her mama. You know, uh, forgiveness can be difficult at times, can it? Let's be honest. Sometimes it's difficult to forgive. And, and here is the strange thing. And within our own family units, it seems to be more difficult. You would think because of the tie that's in a family unit that it's hard uh, or easier to forgive. But for some reason, in the family dynamic, it's even harder. And maybe it's because someone close to me hurt me. Maybe it's that thing. Uh, Jesus, as he taught people to pray, said in Matthew 6 and 12, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. You know, Jesus taught a whole lot about forgiveness, didn't he? When you search the Scripture and Jesus' life, he, taught, he understood something about us as humans, that we have issue when it comes to forgiveness. So let's talk about, about releasing. Forgiveness releases a part of our faith that we don't realize. And we talk about faith a lot and how, you know, remember this, that we have the, this is how you build great faith, and this is how you walk in faith, and this is, but we a lot of times choose not to talk about forgiveness when it comes to faith. Because you understand something, unforgiveness actually is a block or it's a wall to your faith. Unforgiveness seals off faith. You know, it's, it's a good, uh, what's the name of that? I, I use this stuff now, I can't think of the name of it. If I've got a, you, you've seen the commercials, the guy, he, he, maybe you haven't, but he takes a chainsaw and runs it into the side of this tub of water, water's pouring out. Yeah, it's a rubber cell, and he takes it out of the bucket and seals it right off, and it stops the leak. You know, not forgiving does the same thing when it comes to the, the faith that needs to pour out of our lives, seals it right off. So let's read, let's look in uh, Matthew chapter 18, let's, let's read verses 21 uh, through 27. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? The word brother here, and Jesus is going to use the word brother as well. 
uh, we often think of brother someone in the church or a family and all that. But when you look up brother here, you don't, you don't find a Greek word for it. You have to go back to the Hebrew. And in the Hebrew, it's a patron. So what's a patron? Yeah, so patron, patron, patron. What's a patron? I own a business. So, so who is really a patron? Okay, so let's keep reading. You know, how, how often should I, you know, forgive him? So, till seven times, Jesus said unto him, I say unto thee, until seven t- times, but until 70 times seven. That, that's, a, that's a lot of. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, and this is a familiar story, we're going to read it, which would take account of his servants. Notice, first of all, pardon me, in this parable, Jesus says this king takes account of his servants. You understand God takes account of his servants. He takes account of what we do. Okay. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and his children and all that he had and payment be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him his debt. You know, I guess when, when, when Peter said, hey, you know, Lord, what's a good number to forgive people in a day when, they, when they've wronged me or sinned against me or owe me, when they debt it to me? What's a good, good number? And uh, Peter was actually being generous when he said seven times. Because the rabbinical order of that day taught three times a day. And so Peter was exceeding what the rabbinical order, what, what the rabbis were teaching, that you forgive someone three times in a day, and that's, that's, that's all you do. That's all you have to do. So, you know, he was trying to extend that. But Jesus put a bigger number on it, didn't he? Seventy times seven. Now, Jesus wasn't given an actual good number to Peter. We understand that. What Jesus was trying to say was, listen, forgiveness comes in a greater measure and in a greater way than we're being taught today, in a much greater measure. And one of the sad things in our society today is we've gone back to the forgive three times a day society. I'm going to give you three, forgive you three times a day after that, not forgiving you. That's our society today. Jesus then likens this statement you know, to the kingdom of heaven. You know, when we first, you know, Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is likened. So understand something here. This story that Jesus is about to tell is like the kingdom of heaven. It's the mirror of the kingdom of heaven. So a man owes what's equivalent to $1 million in today's money to this king. $1 million. Since he's not able to pay it, the king orders his family and all to be sold, locked up in prison. Be everything, everything you got, going to sell it all. So in those days, they didn't just sell people to other people. But the understanding was, listen, you are now a servant, a slave to that person that you owe until the debt's paid. And so what you do through your life is now. And so this man was not only going to have to be a servant himself and a slave, but his wife, his children, everything that he owned until it could be paid. So the man falls to his knees, begs for more time. He asks, you know, hey, can you give me some room? The, the king has compassion, but the king didn't grant more time. He didn't grant more time. He went way further. Instead, he completely forgave all. 
rather than grant the guy more time. Understand that there is a heavenly meaning in this story, which because Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven is like this story, understand that God is the king, and the man owing the $1 million is you and I. Let's just, God is, God, God takes note of what we do. And if we, you know, we have a debt in our life that we can't repay. And that's the point. We know the story. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But the king ordered our debt to be forgiven. So your debt's forgiven, my debt's forgiven. So like the man in the story, we came to our God on our knees asking for mercy. You, you see the, how everything coincides here. Uh, but do you truly understand that the actual debt that you've been forgiven of? Do you truly understand the debt you've been forgiven? Now, there's some of us in here, we probably can handle a million dollars. It ain't your pastor, but you can probably handle a million. But what if you had a debt you just cannot pay, and someone just says, hey, you know what? Forget about it. We're all jumping for joy, aren't we? Do you really understand the debt, the depth of the debt that, that we're forgiven of, the millions that we owed, and we owed millions that we can't pay? Do you understand the extent of the debt that's been canceled? I'm just asking this because I want this to get ingrained into you. There is a tremendous debt that we owe God that God says we no longer owe. Let that sink in. We owe nothing. So I want to talk to you today about releasing your faith through forgiveness. So let's keep reading. Verse 28. But the same servant went out. Who's the same servant? The one that was just forgiven. And found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. Now in today's money, that's about 20 bucks. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry, and they came and, and, and told unto their Lord all that was done. Let me stop here a second. Be careful in your forgiveness that you don't have unforgiveness. Somebody's going to tell on you. Somebody's going to tell on you. Then his Lord, after he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desirest me. It wasn't that he deserved it, and it was just simply because he asked, the debt was forgiven. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. Now, how was that man going to repay that debt he couldn't pay? He wasn't going to. So what does that tell you about him and the tormentors? The rest of his life, he was living with the tormentors because he could not repay that debt. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you if you from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. Man, this is a very serious story. Very serious story. We're going to talk about releasing your faith and your forgiveness. So the man in this story that was forgiven apparently didn't for, he didn't comprehend the fullness of his forgiveness. Had he comprehended and understood it, he may have had more compassion towards the servant that owed him. But apparently he didn't get the fullness 
under, of the understanding of his forgiveness. And so, you know, listen, in our life, we need to understand the fullness of our forgiveness. Have you ever been unforgiving to someone? I have. I have. You know, and I have to step back and, and remember, you know what? Man, God has forgiven me for so much and still continually. So I, I need to have a, he, he was forgiven an unpayable debt, but no sooner had he been forgiven than he goes out and finds a guy that owes him 20 bucks and he begins to choke him. He, look at, he grabs him by the neck and starts choking him and says, pay me, pay me now. Can you imagine? That story just kind of, kind of makes you angry, doesn't it? Does, do you get a little bit of anger feeling here? No? Boy, I do when I read that story. Because I recognize myself in it. That's why I get angry. I recognize myself in it. Otherwise, I wouldn't be angry about it. Not Listen, not just him, his wife and his children, everybody was forgiven. He wasn't, his wife, they weren't going to be sold. He wasn't going to lose all his possessions. A debt that would bring slavery and imprisonment the rest of their entire life. And he turns around and chokes a man over 20 bucks. Now, this other man that, had, that owed this guy 20 bucks, uh, he did the same exact thing to this guy that this guy did to the king. He falls to his knees and asks for more time. There wasn't anything different between what he did to the man that was forgiven the debt than what the man that was forgiven the debt did to the king, asking for mercy. But the first man refused mercy. The, the man that was forgiven the large debt refused to have mercy. One of the greatest things you can ever do in a person's life is show mercy. Show mercy. And, and he demanded the full extent of the law, had him thrown into prison. Look, you can't pay me 20 bucks. You're thrown into jail till you can pay it off. Now, remember this story because Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like this. Now, that's a pretty strong statement, but in a greater measure. We have been forgiven an unpayable debt, but do we find it hard to forgive a small debt someone owes us? That small debt being forgiveness. Maybe it's not somebody owing you 20 bucks, but maybe they need some forgiveness from you. And you hold on to not forgiving them. There's some very notable things that happen in this story. Notice what unforgiveness does. Unforgiveness keeps the other person in bondage. Not only was the man in the end that was forgiven the big debt, cast to the tormentors, but it never says that the person that owed him 20 bucks ever got out of jail. The man that owed him 20 bucks, we never read where that man was released. He is now in bondage as well. Listen, when you don't forgive, you know, a lot of times we say, well, if you don't forgive, it doesn't hurt the other person, it just hurts you. Understand that sometimes you can hold a person in bondage simply by not forgiving them. You ever, you ever had a person in your life that you wanted forgiveness and they wouldn't give it to you? Yeah, no, I have. You know, I ask them for forgiveness. No, never going to forgive you. Never going to forgive you. I haven't forgotten it. There's still a bondage that I have over it because I, I need and want that person's forgiveness. It will loose me some from the feeling that I have from some of the despair that I have. It will loose me from that. So understand this. When, when we don't forgive other people, it doesn't just free them up to go, and then you're on the hook. You're on the hook, all right, but they're on the hook still too. And so we need to learn that forgiveness has a stronger power in people's lives than we've actually in the past given credit to. 
Unforgiveness brings two things, a spiritual suffering and a physical suffering. Understand this about this story. It, verse 34 tells us, read verse 34, and his Lord was wroth. Now, who's the Lord here? The king. Who's the king? What does this story represent? The kingdom of heaven. So now, who's the king? Who's the Lord? I'm going to make you say it. Jesus. Okay. He was wroth. When you don't forgive and you've been forgiven, if I've been forgiven of what I've done, but I don't forgive somebody, it angers God. It angers God. He's wroth. And delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due him. Verse 34 also tells us that unforgiveness makes that master angry. And who wants God to be angry with them? Who wants anybody here? Want, uh, I, y'all can all be angry at me. I don't want God to be angry at me because it's a different deal altogether. But here's the deal about forgiveness. Forgiveness will bring freedom. Forgiveness, not just for you. Accepting forgiveness for your debt and giving forgiveness for others' debts brings freedom to everybody. So first, you've got to accept the forgiveness that God's given you. So let's stop for a second. Because I encounter a lot of people who just can't forgive themselves for what they did. They just can't forgive themselves. And so they don't accept God's forgiveness because of that. When you accept or receive the forgiveness of God, He washes it white as snow, casts it as far as the east is from the west, He remembers it no more, all of those things. And the whole course and case here is that we need to do the same thing. Well, why do I keep remembering it? It's one thing to remember it. It's another thing to hold this course in your life and, and have despair in your life because of what you did. God gives us a memory for a reason. God gives us a memory for a reason. It's to show the goodness of God and what He brought us through, forgave us of. That's why we have a memory. Haven't you ever thought, well, why didn't God just let me forever forget that? Well, we need to remember that God's a good God. And that's what he brought me out of. That's what he forgave me of. And so forgiveness brings freedom to everybody involved. Uh, it grants freedom from guilt. It grants freedom from suffering. Because understand, this guy is thrown into the tormentors forever, but the guy that he had thrown in jail is sitting in jail suffering because he can't work, he can't support his family, he can't do anything because he's still in prison too. So you know, the, the unforgiveness is powerful, but forgiveness is greater in that. Granting forgiveness is a win-win deal for us. So you said uh, a little bit ago that if you don't forgive them, you're both held in bondage. So I, I get that physically, and, you know, the guy's still sitting in jail, but spiritually you've done everything you can do so Aren't you released from it spiritually? Um, or, I mean, how can, how can you still be held accountable when you've done your part? You can't control what they do if they give you the forgiveness. I mean, I understand the natural consequences of it, but spiritually. Okay, what is the kingdom of heaven? Not the kingdom of God, because the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are two separate things. Look in Scripture. They're not, they don't, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of, uh, of God is, is what? It's not meat or drink. 
righteous peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. The kingdom of God, if, if, I, if I want to inherit the kingdom, I have to be born again. The kingdom of God. It's the living kingdom you're living in now. The kingdom of heaven is that kingdom that's to come. The kingdom that's to come. So when it's likened to the kingdom of heaven, it's likened to the kingdom that's to come. You're the, you're the $20 person saying this? Okay. I'm going to reference them as the $1 million man and the $20 million man. Is that okay? $20, $20 man. That's why I'm talking today about forgiveness, releasing your faith through forgiveness. That person physically was still in prison, but Jesus is liking this to the kingdom of heaven. And so now both are in bondage. But notice this, that the second $20 man wasn't given over to the tormentors. He was in prison. So the first person, the million-dollar man, was now given over to the tormentors because of his lack of forgiveness. So understand this spiritually, that you've got tormentors, that if you don't forgive even though you've been forgiven, you're going to be delivered over to tormentors. Say again. The day of Jubilee. Because of the. Yeah, it's another subject, but yes, there is a the fifty day the fifty year of Jubilee. If if you if you were indebted to someone on the fifty year of Jubilee celebration, you were forgiven that debt. Yeah, and, and there's there's a reference to the end time when we're all said and done. And yes, it does reference together. If that's what you're asking. It does reference together. But, but understand this, the person that was unforgiving was the million-dollar guy. He's in torment. The person that, need, that needed the $20 debt forgiven him is still not, he, he's not tormented, but he's imprisoned by the lack of unforgiveness from the other person. What does that mean? It doesn't mean he loses his soul. But what you've now done to that person is that you put them in a place of prison in their spiritual life. You put them in a place that, that's, can we say, harming them by not forgiving them. So we, we just, we, we kind of blow it off that, you know what, the million-dollar guy, he got what he deserved, and the $20 guy, he, but the $20 guy is still suffering. So understand, he's, he's suffering from it. And so spiritually, you can suffer from unforgiveness. That's why forgiveness is so powerful, because unforgiveness blocks faith. It's a faith blocker. Not only your faith of being the unforgiving person, but the person that needed forgiveness, it blocks their faith. Does that mean that they can't get out of prison? The guy can't get out of torment, but the $20 guy could get out of prison. Does that make sense? Does that? So you've got two different situations going on here. But we forget about the fact that when we don't forgive people, it puts them in a suffering, a bondage, a prison that they have to then work their way out of. I've encountered people that they, they, because they didn't get forgiveness, they have a hard time living for Jesus. And it wasn't that Jesus didn't forgive them. It's that this person didn't forgive them, and they're having a hard time with it because they want the forgiveness of that person. So the granting of forgiveness, just win, it's a win-win thing. That if we will just, 
had, had the million-dollar guy just went along and get forgave the 20, we wouldn't even be talking about this story today, would we? We'd, we'd have, hey, everybody won. And, you know, we'd go find a. So, again, I want to talk about releasing your faith through forgiveness. So let's read verses 8, 15 through 22. Let's, let's back up, chapter 18. Because there, in these scriptures here, you're going to find, well, let's just read it. Back up to verse 15. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take one, of the, one or two more that are in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be uh, unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever. See, here is a scripture in today's church totally taken out of context. Because we talk about whatsoever you bind in heaven shall be bound in earth, whatsoever... And we use that to bind devils. We use that to bind. But understand, this is in the context of forgiveness. Binding and loosening has nothing to do with the devils. It has nothing. It's the context of forgiveness and understanding of debt and ought. So let's just keep reading. Verse 18, Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching it. Here we go. Here's another scripture taken totally out of context by most of the church world. Let's read it. That if two or you shall agree on anything as touching anything, what is the two of you shall agree? Well, let's back up. Where did the two come from? It came from the witnesses that went with you because the guy refused to receive your, okay? That's where the two came from. As touching anything, that shall, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, and here we go again, <laughs> scriptures that get so misused because they're out of context. In my name, there am I in the midst. You understand something about, about ought and trespasses and forgiveness. If you seek ought, if you seek the forgiveness of trespass and ought, understand this. If a person receives it, you have saved a brother. You have reconciled a brother. So, the reason I read the first part, the second part first, and now I'm reading the first part second, is to see how Jesus tied all this together. Because what Jesus said here is the dynamic of forgiveness. It's the dynamic of understanding trespasses and debts. It's not about, okay, I'm going to bind the devil and loose the devil, or I'm going to agree with another person that's touching anything and it's going to happen. It has to do with what we're talking about today. So let's look at how Jesus pulled that together. So when Peter asked the question of Jesus, how many times should we forgive, uh, his story was in response to the verses we just read. Okay? The story I just read, the, the thing Jesus just said, you go to him, you go to him, and if he won't listen, Take two or three witnesses, and if he won't listen, go to the church. And if he won't listen, you need to cast him out. He's a sinner. Get, get him out. He's going to cause discourse. Now, right after that, Peter asks this question. How many times should I forgive? This is all connected. And so Jesus' response about the $1 million man and the $20 man, that story is in response to Peter's question about what Jesus just talked about. 
First, if you're a brother, and again, the Greek word, there's no Greek word for brother here. If you look it up uh, in the context of Greek, there's no Greek word for brother here. You have to go back to the Hebrew. The Hebrew word is ezrani, which means a patron. Sins against you, you should go to him. That's just anybody uh, and, and show his fault. Just you, If somebody sins against you, you're to go to them and show them the fault. Don't you think they know it? Yeah, sometimes it could be misunderstanding. It could be as simple as that. Uh, but just between the two, here's the biggest problem in the church, much less out of the church, is you're supposed to go to the person that offended you, just you and them, nobody else involved. The offended party takes the first step, not the one who did the wrong. Don't wait for God to convict somebody that did you wrong. Don't wait for God to, to touch their heart and have them come and ask you for forgiveness. It ain't going to happen. So going back to the previous point and what, and what Becky was saying, leaving the money out. If I, if I have, uh, if someone is offended or, uh, and they, they refuse to forgive me, and I have basically done everything that I can to seek that forgiveness, and they're just like stone cold, not going to happen. Uh, then, if I'm still bothered by that, is the problem not with myself because I haven't forgiven myself? It could be, but primarily, here's the thing understand this both men asked for forgiveness and extra time, right? The first man was not given extra time, he was totally forgiven. The second man was not given extra time. He was in prison. And so the man that's in the $20 man, as he's sitting in prison, it's, it's not that the forgiveness, he's not given, been given forgiveness. Now that's on the, the million-dollar man. Because the two, if the million-dollar man did not give forgiveness, that is on him. What you understand is that the, the $20 man is still in a bondage still in a bondage, not to the unforgiveness, but because of the un He's not in bondage to the unforgiveness. He's in bondage because of the unforgiveness. The, the unforgiveness is no longer part of his deal, but he's in bondage. And that's the point Jesus is making here, that when you don't forgive a person, even though they may be let out of their prison, let's just say that somebody came by and said, hey, dude, I got you 20 bucks. Let's get your family out of prison. He's physically out of prison, but he's still in a bondage because of unforgiveness, until he comes to the place that he understands the greater forgiveness of the king. You need to let me get there, but I'm going to go ahead because you're asking the question. When that second $20 man understands the forgiveness of the king, he then can be released from the prison that he's in for unforgiveness. At that point, he's good. He's free. It's over. It's done. He doesn't live the rest of his life in bondage, forgiveness. It's done deal. It's when he recognizes the forgiveness of the king. Because the... Say that again because that, that's where he recognizes. Say it again. Belongs to the king. Right. Therefore, the guy that owes $20... That debt belongs to? Forgiven by the king because, in essence, it now belongs to the king. Bingo. The king owns that debt now. And who's the king? He is the total unforgiving king. So he forgives the prison guy. The guy gets out of prison. He's good. He's released. But the other guy is in torment. 
See, that's what it comes to. You don't live with that, and that's another problem in church. Some people are living in that unforgiveness because somebody didn't forgive them. They're, they're living it, and they need to release. And it, it's, to, to your question, yes, it is about yourself because you have to understand that any unforgiveness in a person's life is owned by Jesus. Whether that person doesn't forgive you or not, you know what? That person, his debt is owned by Jesus. And so if his debt and you owe him that, then Jesus, oh, he has your debt, totally wipes yours out. Man, you can live successful if you understand that principle. But notice what he says in the second story. Huh? Right, because he owns it all. You can be totally set free from any unforgiveness, any actions, anything, if you're the $20 man. Totally set free. You owe nothing because the king owns the debt. The king owns the debt. So notice in the first one, because you've got to connect these two together. In the, in the second story, which was first, don't want to confuse you, where, where, you know, there's somebody offends you and you go to them. Don't take anybody else with you. That's such a problem we have. It's our society. Uh, don't take anybody with you. You go to them. Don't wait for them to come to you. Why is that? Why would Jesus say that? You go. You, go. you were the one offended, but why did you go to the offender? Why wouldn't you just wait for the offender to come to you? Yeah, sometimes they don't even have they don't even realize they've offended you. The the story looks different to them than it does to you. And Jesus as the offended came to us as the offender. We never come to the offended. It's not in our nature. So if you think somebody it's in their nature to realize they offended you, they might not even know they offended you. What don't don't let it fester, don't let it grow. Go to them, he said. Notice Jesus said, secondly, if, if he listens to you, you've won your brother over. Here's the intent of you going to the one that offended you. It's not to put them in their place. It's not to show them they're wrong. It's to bring them and get it right with you and God. The whole intent when somebody offends you and you go to them is not to say, look, I was, wrong, I was right and you were wrong. You did me wrong, and I'm just opening up to you so you can tell me I'm sorry. That's not the whole purpose at all. That's not how we do it. We don't approach it that way a lot of times. But God, Jesus said what it is, it's so that you win over a brother. You bring them back into the fellowship. You restore them not only in your relationship, but relationship with God. So go with an attitude of love. When somebody offends you, go into love. You ever met that person that goes in love? You really offended me, and in Jesus' name, I want you. you know, go in love, seek forgiveness, and when you do that, there's a freedom that comes about that releases them into reconciliation. There's another part of this. Our intent is to release that person from bondage and suffering. When somebody does you wrong, you're not in bondage and suffering. They are. We see it the other way as humans. But when they've done the wrong, they're the one that's in the wrong, right? They're in the bondage to wrong. They're in suffering to wrong. Well, he said this about me. Sticks and stones. Sticks and stones. But we get offended, and we want that offended to be right by them telling us we're sorry. When, listen, if you go to them and they tell you you're sorry because you went to them, you're not going to. You won't have a greater friend in your life. 
You won't have, you know what that, the, the offended is the friend of the offender and vice versa. It's the same thing with Jesus. He came to us, the offenders, and forgave us. There's not a greater friend you'll ever have than Jesus in your life. Listen, remember that people often perceive situations the opposite of what they really are. You ever done that? Somebody came to you, you offended me, what about you said this? Well, that's not what I meant at all. I, I wasn't even talking about that. You have that? Yeah, okay. That's why we have to act as Jesus would and go first. Jesus said, says only if a person refuses to listen to you do you get anybody else involved. If Scott offends me, or let's just do it. If I offend Scott, and Scott comes to me and says, hey, man, you offended me, and this is what happened. Oh, man, I'm sorry, man. And we get it together. Then neither one of us need to go around the church talking about it. But that is a huge problem. Because we want to talk, you know why? Because you know what? <clears throat> I got the upper hand here. Yeah, I made him say, I'm sorry. Listen, you don't, go, you don't talk about it. Our responsibility is always going to that offending brother to clear it up, let forgiveness and freedom bring reconciliation. We are reconciling to God, and he doesn't go around talking about us. He doesn't remind others about who you are and who you were and what you did. He doesn't do that. The reconciliation brings that total forgiveness. Matthew 5 tells us to leave any gift we bring to God at the altar if we remember that a brother has something against us. If we're coming to God, what does that mean, any gift to the altar? Offering? Worship? If you're bringing anything to God and you remember that somebody has an ought against you or you, vice versa, Put it down. Don't do it. Why? Because it's meaningless. God will not receive it. Go find that brother. Don't put him in his place, but reconcile. And when you reconcile, you can come back and offer your gift to God, and it's received. Matthew 6, 14 through 15, For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, Neither will your father forgive your trespasses. <laughs> How do you interpret that other than what it says? You're forgiven as you forgive. You're forgiven as you forgive. If somebody lied on you and you didn't forgive them for lying on you, every lie that you ever tell is not forgiven. Every lie you ever tell the rest of your life is not forgiven because you didn't forgive somebody for lying on you. And yeah, there's a much deeper, but understand that. Learning to accept our responsibility for any dispute uh, with others restores relationship. And that not just relationship with the people, but relationship with God. You understand that when this stuff happens, then a wall comes up. And you have to tear down the wall with love and, and, and kindness and forgiveness, and when you tear that wall, then faith, you know, faith just really moves. But when you don't do it, there's a wall that just stops faith from moving in the church. It's not that faith is weak. It's that the church is weak. It's not that faith is weak. It's that we become weak ourselves because we have walls. You know, being transparent is very important, and it's hard to do for us as human beings, being transparent, because we don't want people to know. But you don't listen. Here's the deal. If, again, if Scott and I have an issue, we have it. But if we have an issue, transparency is between us. If, if, if I won't listen to Scott, then the 
Transparency is between Scott and two other people and me. Now it's growing. And, and, and if I still like, you know what, dude, you're wrong. I'm not listening to you. I think you did me wrong. Then it becomes the whole church. Now that's when everybody knows. That's when it's, you know what, come to the common ground of reconciliation. It stops. We worry about people knowing our stuff, our business. You know what, if you just reconcile, nobody knows your business. But the reason people know your business is because you won't reconcile or you got somebody on the other side that's not reconciling. had relationships it sounded you know the king knew the servants he was with i mean it doesn't seem like in if, if somebody that has no, absolutely no relate a, a chinese person does something horrible to you yeah and that because they could care less about the church or going to toward going to the church i mean it sounds like it's more for people that are have relations and and that's the church i grew up in if you're if you're one of us you can be forgiven. If you're not, you're not. And that's wrong. Because the word brother here doesn't have a Greek meaning. It goes back to patron in the Old Testament. And, that, and it means it doesn't have to be somebody in your circle. Can I say it that way? It's not referring. We read brother, what do we think of? Well, in America, we get brother from a few things. The Bible. The Bible. But we also get it from some other things. Like, for instance, my, my grandpa was a, was a member of a particular group uh, called the Masons. All of them called each other brother. So you understand there's different, and there's a, they, uh, I'll just go. Usually when I see Jason, and Jason sees me, hey, brother, how's it going? That's a church-related thing, right? Yeah, so, and more. Yeah. Then there's people that have, I've seen people in, the, in, in a store before and, hey, brother, how you doing? Can I help you? And I don't even know them. There's the connotation of brother, you have to put it in its context. And so let's put the context of brother in the, the place we're talking here. And that word patron goes back to what is a patron? <coughs> I'm a patron to Walmart. I'm a patron to Home Depot. I'm a patron to Lowe's. I'm a patron of the arts. I'm a patron of the, uh, the Texas Rangers. It's, it's who I go to, uh, you know, that's the, I want to be involved. I want to be part of that. But it doesn't mean it's secluded. What did Joe say? You didn't say cowboys, did you? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll, 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 I'll regress on that. Yeah. I've proved that in the past, haven't I? <laughs> but understand something. We will, we will lock in that these are people to the church, or we will lock in that it's people to our particular Texas. You know, if you're outside of Texas, you're a Yankee. You ever heard that one? Well, it's the truth. I mean, I mean if you're north of the Red River or, okay. We, we lock our thought process into that. When in fact, what we have to understand is the king was the king of who? Whom? Everyone. The king was the king to everyone. Everyone was a servant to the king. Jason, you. Just gonna, because this is actually another one of my, my favorite ones with this whole example. 
And you said something earlier that, that really, really stuck. And just like you said, the king was um, king over everybody. And so when you were breaking it down um, with the understanding of, you know, Jesus was not the offender, but he went to everybody who was offended. Like he and he died. He died on the cross. Now, there's people that have offended me when I was younger. I had no problem t telling them. Now I do it with grace, but I still don't have no problem telling them. Yeah. Um, but there's there's a different understanding with it, just like the word says. You know, you try try to go I go to them by myself. If not, um, even if it's outside of church, I may take two people who we're both associated with to go to, uh, to be uh, uh, witnesses. But uh, even when it's not a relationship, like uh, Darren was saying, I try to walk. Even if I don't t tell that person, I work on the offense to me if, if I can't approach them. Like, if I was offended on something, then I'll try, try to be like, okay, God, well, why did this offend me? I'll try, try to let it go. But it can go towards anybody. And, and when you said that Jesus went to us, he went on our behalf, took all of our blame. So he took the $20, the million dollars, the $50, the $10. For folks who didn't even know, that helps me. When I try to follow, you know, scripture like this with uh, with the trespasses, just like with the with the the Lord's pray, uh, prayer, when I understood debtors and, and trespasses, so I really appreciate that because if our example is supposed to look like Jesus, then that covers whether we have a relationship with Him or not, because we never met Jesus personally. But look how much His forgiveness has done for us now. Who does Jesus forgive? If everybody's forgiveness, we don't have to. If everybody's just forgiven because Jesus died on the cross, we don't need to be going out telling people about Jesus. They're, it's a done deal. They're sealed in. It's good to go. Jesus forgives those who, when He comes into their life and and speaks to them, they they accept His forgiveness. So it's important to remember. So who who do we forgive? Anybody who asks. Anybody who asks. Well, we have to remember, listen, for, for, yes, yes, for, forgive. Grace is merited to every person, right? Every individual. But because of God's grace, we, every individual that lives has grace. But does every individual that lives have forgiveness? Now, Jesus has the heart of forgiveness. So every person in the world has the heart of forgiveness from Jesus. He will forgive anybody.
When he said somebody offends you, he didn't say, listen, just, just in your heart say, oh, well, and then walk off. He said, go to, why did he say go to that person? Why did he say go to that person? Why is it important that if someone is a, offends you that you go to them? Because there's various reasons. There's various reasons. And a lot of it has to be with the fact that people don't understand, they don't know, they didn't recognize it, or they're hard-headed, or they're mean. It could be various reasons. But in the, in the thing that Jesus is saying here, it's important we understand about an offense is that we make the connection. Like Jesus made the connection with us in the offense. He made the connection with us. The only way forgiveness is going to happen is when the offended makes a connection with the offender. You've got to make a connection. Now, can we make a connection with every single person that offends us? No, because there's people on television, uh, there's politicians that have offended me greatly. I guess I could write them a letter, but then the FBI shows up at my house, so I can't do that. Secret Service wants to arrest me because I didn't like that guy. So, no, I can't directly, but I've got to have the heart of forgiveness. I've got to have the heart of forgiveness. Because there's people in my past that I did wrong that I couldn't go back and undo that and tell them I'm sorry, they're dead. So, what do you do if you've got to... There's a heart of forgiveness involved here that we have to have that Jesus had. I really hate to bring this up. I really do. Well, then don't bring it up. <laughs> if you hate it that bad. How do you bring somebody, the Chinaman in Darren's case, to the church to judge and he become a publican heathen? I see a contrast that Jesus is talking, one, about the church and a contrast that he's about the world about under the law. Mm -hmm. And the man who threw, got thrown in prison was under the law. But in grace, we do have a recourse because instead of us being thrown into prison, we have a recourse. If we go to the person, him and he alone, then we take two witnesses. When we go to the man the first time, we go saying to them, our relationship is more important than anything that's transpired between us. This is how I always want to have a good report about you, but this is how you came across to me. And he says, I didn't mean that at all. Well, that, that settles it. But if he says, I did mean it, then what did I do to cause you to do that? And so he has to take ownership of it and tell you why, okay? If you say, that's not how I intended it at all, he said, I don't care. That's how I took it. It's, that's the way it is. So then you go get two witnesses. That's two neutral people. You don't tell them the story. Right. You take them fresh into the incident. You, you converse with him. This is how our conversation went. They hear the both of you, and then if he still won't receive you, then he becomes a public and heathen and is put out of the church. You're not going to do that to a heathen. So I see, uh, you know, a contrast here between what occurred under the law and now the remedy that we have in the church. Because 
the implications in the church is that we've gone to God for forgiveness, and he's forgiven us of everything. And if I don't forgive my brother a small offense, God goes up under the blood and pulls everything out that I've ever done and revokes my forgiveness. It's a serious thing mm -hmm. to be unforgiving. Uh, no, I totally see that. Totally see that. Okay. What, what I see is that Jesus spoke of offense and he spoke of trespass. Now, understand what you're saying about law and grace. Understanding this, that offense and trespass are not the same thing. Offense and trespass are not the same thing. And so in, in so being, because here, one of the things, as Jesus was speaking, he spoke of the church. Who was he speaking to? He wasn't speaking to anybody in the church. The church didn't exist when Jesus was speaking. But he was giving reference to future events, correct? Correct? And so I, I understand that because it says put him out of the church, how do we get a heathen to the church? They're not in the church. How do we put them out of the church? But I think your point is profound when you say that anyone that offends us, that belongs to God, not us. Yeah. And we're way over, so ask it quickly. <laughs> Mine was because I know the I know we're talking about that you know in the church and out. I always understood, and please correct me. Always understood that when we when the thing of offense comes and the witnesses, it's not just due to the church building. It wouldn't it wouldn't it be able because the word's supposed to cover across yeah. the board. So wouldn't I be able to use these same principles or use this same this same uh, process? with somebody who would be a heathen outside, like maybe somebody who, who has never been to church, but I've known them, you know, on the streets or, or, or whatever. Wouldn't the same truth or, or the same process still hold ground? Now, with my understanding of God, then that, that makes me take ownership of it as far as the, the forgiveness part because we have to have that forgiveness. I think you said, said earlier that forgiveness is freedom, but would that cover I guess not only the process, but how God sees me. Because if somebody does not want to accept it, then that's on them. I think somebody said it earlier. But I'm still held responsible for my understanding and what I know when it comes to the forgiveness in my heart. Am I, am I correct? And you're asking if you're responsible for your forgiveness? That's what you're asking me? Your approach, yeah, right. If, if you're not, then what Jesus did was incorrect because he came to every single heathen. And so, and I think, I mean, I see the deal with the church and the law here, but, but I see a, a, a deeper or a greater where we have to understand that whether it's the church or the law, what we have to understand is there's a, the ground level is this, God owns it. That's why you would bring them to the church. Who is the church? It's the body. Who is the head of the body? Je Jesus. So God still owns it. Regardless of how you look at it, God still owns it. 
I'm not saying what Beecham said was wrong. What I'm saying is there's a depth in this that I think we miss a lot of times that regardless of inside or outside the church, regardless of it's, if it's uh, a heathen or a, or a person in the church, it, it doesn't say the two people that are witnesses are from the church, but you draw from a conclusion, then take them to the church. So that, and, and that's a rightful conclusion. It's a rightful conclusion. But understand that our responsibility is to have a forgiving heart and spirit regardless of the person. I mean, it's hard to forgive people that are trying to destroy us as a nation, right? That's hard to do. Forgiveness doesn't mean you approve of what they're doing. It doesn't mean you approve of what they're doing. Forgiveness takes the next step and says, listen, I, I want to talk with you about what you're doing, about the offense, and we need to rectify this. But see, we, we would rather fight than rectify, especially if you're from this state. We, if you forgive somebody, you know, if, if I had a priceless Chinese vase, and you come to my house and, you know, you didn't know what it was worth, you know, it may be worth millions. So you pick it up and you look at it and, you know, and, and I'm all nervous and whatever, but you drop it and it shatters. If I forgive you, I take the loss. Yeah. I take the loss. That's why forgiveness is so difficult. Yeah. It's because you're taking the loss of something that you didn't deserve to take. But that's what he did. Right. Without, without a recourse. Not only are you taking the loss, you're not reminding them every week they came and broke your exactly. million-dollar vase. Exactly. Yeah. All right. We've got two minutes till worship starts. We'll talk about this some more next time. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather. And you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.